you need the largest iPad you've ever seen. <clears throat> As you're reading your sermon, it's in the beginning. God created. You know, it's one of those deals. Tim, just amen me. Come on, bro. All right. Paul, can I hand this to you and have, or Kenzie, somebody, put this in that sleeve. I'm not going to be cool this morning. I know what some of you are saying. You're whispering to your neighbor. When has he ever been cool? I know. I know. Roughly a month ago, that's not true, because I tried to preach this three weeks ago, so almost two months ago, um, I was sitting around thinking, and something triggered a thought in my mind uh, concerning the concept and the idea of burnout. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I talk about burnout. Okay, Something triggered this idea about burnout. It was completely random. I have absolutely no idea where that thought came from. And for the life of me, if you put a gun to my head, I cannot recall why it, it popped up. Um, and that doesn't really matter. But as a result of this thought, this it was really a statement. I, I grabbed a piece of scratch paper and I literally scratched out this statement on a little piece of paper. It, I can't even say it was a post-it. It wasn't even that formal, you know. Scratched this statement out on a piece of paper and I set it aside. Knowing that at some point in the future, this sentence was going to have some kind of application. And this is the sentence that I wrote down. It says this, If you're doing your Christianity right, you should never burn out. If you're doing your Christianity right, you should never burn out. Now, there are preachers all over this um, congregation this morning. And by the way, let me stop here. If you're a visitor, uh, welcome this morning. I'm glad you're here. Uh, a co-worker from about forever ago, 20 years ago, is sitting in the back of this auditorium. And I walked in and I saw him and I thought, well, hey, Danny, how you doing? Anyway, we, were, we talked briefly. And, and uh, anyway, you're welcome. Jashad, Destiny, you're welcome. Glad you're here. Um, And others. Anyway, there's ministers all over this congregation, and they will tell you more than likely that in all of the years of their ministry, the likelihood is that they have never just flat burned out. Where there was no more spark, there was no more flame, there was no more unction to move forward. And I'm going to be honest with you, me personally, I can only speak for myself, but I've been in ministry in one shape or another since I was a teenager. I've been in all kinds of states, all kinds of churches, multiple ministerial capacities, and I have never one time experienced ministerial burnout now some of that's just god's grace uh, and some of it is just the way uh we do things in bible college this phrase i am so burned out that phrase in messenger college was prolific it was like the flu 
I mean, you got around anybody. Someone is saying, I am so burned out. They were always saying it. But when students at MC said, I'm so burned out, that saying didn't, or that saying didn't mean that those individuals were spent, that they were used up, that they were without strength to go on. That's not what I am so burned out meant. What that meant in college meant annoyed, agitated, upset. When someone says to you at that campus at that time, I am so burned out, you knew they were mad at somebody. And usually that somebody was a professor who assigned something that they were desperately hoping to get out of. And they're like, I am so burned out. So for the purposes of our message today, that's not what we're talking about. Burnout, what we're talking about today, is the result of constantly giving, constantly producing, constantly serving out of, hear me now, a source of our own making. Does everybody get that? Constantly giving, constantly producing, constantly serving, but out of a source of our own making. A source that has designated you and I as the fuel to accomplish whatever needs to be done. This is another sermon altogether, but do you know what that kind of uh, uh, burnout uh, comes from? Not only are we fueling the fire in and of ourselves, we usually are dreaming up things to do that don't need to be done. Let's be honest. We think God is in everything virtuous. And therefore, we have to do all those things. Let me just say, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. If your life is spirit-led and spirit-filled, God will tell you what to do when He wants it done. Stop trying to play God and burning yourself out with things He didn't call you to do. Now, that right there, is a very dangerous statement because it gives people the license to say, well, God didn't call me to do that. More not passing go and more not collecting $200. One must be very careful with such matters. At any rate, the problem with being the fuel, hear me, to achieve our goals in life is that you and I do not have an endless supply of fuel from which to draw from. If we are looking to do something for God, which is what we're here for today, we're talking about, I'm not talking about your job, I'm not talking about your hobbies, I'm not talking about the fact that your lawnmower needs repair, or what, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about the things of God this morning. The problem with you and I creating a place from which to fuel the things of God, or what we're calling them, is that you and I don't have an endless supply of fuel. And let's be honest, if you're doing something for God that's really God, you can't do it anyway. So why are we trying to do that? 
We eventually run out of gas. And when we run out of gas, we don't have what it takes to continue. And what have we done? We have burned out. The light is gone. However, Christianity is not to be this way. Christianity is not to be fueled by you and your zeal. It is not to be fueled by the body of Christ and its desire to do things God never called it to do. Now, it may have called a body or an individual down the street to do the very thing you're looking at, but don't do it unless God's called you to do that thing. Because when you start doing the things that God has called someone else to do, you know what you are? You're a parrot. You're a used car salesman. I'm sorry, that's just an image that I use for my own self. Let me restate what I said in the beginning of this message. If you're doing your Christianity right, you should never burn out. This morning I'd like to discuss with you a subject that I've titled simply, A Bush's Tale. A Bush's Tale. Open with me to Exodus chapter 3. To some very familiar scripture and a passage that everyone here should know. I'm reading from the NIV. It will be behind me. Verses 1 through 6. Reads this, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So, verse 3, Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this... Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. How many have ever heard a sermon on that text right there? Y'all can raise your hands. It's okay. Unless you're really tired, which I would hate to inconvenience you by having you raise your hand. So there's about six of you who have heard this, okay? About six people who have heard this preached. Now, who wants to actually raise your hands and say, yeah, I've heard this preached? Okay, well, now we're getting somewhere. I don't know exactly where we got, but we're getting somewhere. Um, here's the thing. This is what we, we have here. While attending uh, his father-in-law's flock. And he's quite a ways from the house, okay? He, he, he is down the road from the house. He's at the base of Mount Horeb. God appeared to Moses in flames of fire and... Uh, housed, this flame, this fire is housed and it's held in what is possibly, now listen to me, quite possibly the single most fragile and susceptible host to the effects of fire on the entire mountain. 
a desert shrub. God shows up in fire in the one thing you just don't want to get fire around because it's going to light up. And yet God chooses to show up in this fragile, susceptible thing. Why did the Lord appear to Moses like this? Why did God choose to speak to Moses from within a bush and out of fire? You know, I don't know. But I've often thought that it's a little strange. This story, I've often thought, uh, whenever I got old enough to begin to consider the ramifications of this story, I started thinking, you know, this is weird. I don't know if any of you see that or if you just read it, you accept it, you move on. That's what God did, whatever. But I've often thought, this is weird. It's just strange for God to show up like that. I mean, he could have spoken to Moses in countless ways. Countless ways. Why a shrub that appears to be on fire and yet doesn't burn? I I mean, he spoke in visions. He spoke in dreams. He spoke using a donkey. As a matter of fact, if you'll listen real close, all you have to do is listen to some folk and you'll know he's still speaking through donkeys. He's spoken from clouds. He's spoken from thunder. He's spoken through lightning. He's spoken through prophets. He's spoken through kings. He's spoken through angels. He's spoken through men. He's spoken through women. He's spoken using so many different things. But on that day, at that time, on that mountain, through to that man, God chose to speak using nothing but a common desert shrub, clothing it in flame. Let's consider the shrub for a minute. How's this for deep theology? Let's talk about a shrub. That's deep stuff. I don't know if you know this, but half of the group right over here is asleep. Their eyes may be open, but they are a stone cold asleep. They got in at god-awful 30 last night from being up at the Texas Motor Speedway at some, uh, what was it? Celebrate Freedom concert up there. And they're all, they're all wow. So we're going to forgive them. If there's any snoring, just, just say, just bless them, Lord. It's okay. Just, just bless them. Um. I want you to know the Spirit of the Lord was powerful this morning during worship because Kenzie was actually asleep during the entire worship service. The basic fundamental makeup of a desert shrub, a bush, as the Bible calls it, does not support the notion of coexistence with fire for any extended period of time at all, much less for the amount of time. Now, I want you to think about this. This thing's on fire somewhere up on Horeb, and Moses is trucking along with his father-in-law's sheep. He looks up. There it is. It's ablaze. He climbs up to it. Don't know how far away he has to climb. Gets up there, then holds an entire conversation with God. Desert bush plus fire equals ash. Very quickly. But in this case, 
desert bush plus fire equals manifestation of God. And bush still there when God leaves. Yeah? Okay. Bushes don't do that with fire. Especially with the amount of time that it took for God and Moses to hold this conversation that they had in Exodus 3 in our text. And it certainly doesn't allow for contact with fire without staining, sustaining significant damage to the plant. Yet, there it was, burning, on fire, without being consumed. There it was, as big as life. Or as big as the bush. Yeah. And here's the thing. Even Moses was wondering, I have got to go see this. Because I can see him looking at a sheep. I have got to go see this. It's not burning. And the sheep's sitting there going, And in this little sheep mind saying, you're an imbecile. So, here, here, here's Moses. He's, he's thinking, why isn't this happening? The bush, something that in the natural is little more than fuel for fire, stood there. A beacon. Think about the position. Moses, sheep, mountain, bush, beacon. A blaze. A beacon ablaze with roots in the mountain of God. We know it as Sinai. The Bible in this story refers to it as Horeb. Firmly rooted in the mountain of God, right there, ablaze without burning. A beacon, a lighthouse in the distance. Drawing someone to its light. This bush was being used by God as a lamp to light the way to God and His will. And it worked because Moses saw it from afar off. Something so peculiar. Something so out of the ordinary. Something so out of place. A blaze, aloft on the mountain of God, it drew him from where he was and it drew him from what he was doing like a city on a hill that cannot be hid. That bush, a blaze and a flame, a beacon of light drew that man from the valley, the base of Mount Horeb. That is Christianity done right. Like the bush. Like the bush. We are the vessels. His glory is the fuel. And together, we become the means To light the world. That was one bush rooted in God. What would happen if the frail, susceptible bushes 
that litter Calvary Worship Center would just become ablaze with the fuel of the glory of God deeply rooted into the mountain of God and show themselves true to this community. What would happen? You see, here's the thing. When Jesus left earth, and this is my, I might as well make a t-shirt. This is my mantra. When Jesus left earth, just prior to his exit from terra firma, Jesus said, all power is given unto me in heaven and on earth, therefore go. That's what he said. To who? To all the desert shrubs in His kingdom. To you and I. To you and I. And then just to turn around, 50, 50, 5, 0, 50 days later, and we read in the book of Acts, where prior to His departure, He says, You're going to receive power when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. And you don't read too many verses until you change chapters. And when you change chapters in Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that those desert shrubs that were gathered in an upper room, those 120 disciples, all in one mind, all in one accord, the Spirit of the Lord falls in that place and the power of God comes down. How? In the form of fire on their heads. That is Christianity done right. How many sitting within the sound of my voice right now are attempting to do Christianity without the fuel of God's glory in their lives and all you're experiencing is frustration and anguish instead of power and victory even in the worst of circumstances. We walk in the power of God because we're not the fuel. We're just the dry desolate, secluded bush on the side of Mount Horeb where God chooses to light us up. And even when things look the worst, we just keep moving straight forward. My God in heaven. While studying this passage of Scripture, I decided to look up three words found in the contents of this text. Three words. Because they just kind of jumped out at me. The first one is the word bush. Go figure. The second word is the word fire. And the third word is the word voice. I looked those three up. The word bush. Do you know what the word bush is symbolic of in Scripture of all things? A bush is symbolic in Scripture of humiliation. Chastening and affliction. Humiliation, chastening, and affliction. That's what a bush is symbolic of. Fire, or in our text, it's the word burning, but fire, since we're talking about burning, is symbolic of God's presence and His accompanying holiness. 
God's presence in a vessel of humiliation and chastening and affliction. And the word voice is symbolic in God's word of overpowering majesty. Just like Revelation chapter 1 and verse 15 where Jesus speaks and John falls flat as dead. Overpowering majesty. We have to be willing. Now look at me, church. Listen to me carefully because the Lord is speaking to people right now. We have to be willing to embrace humiliation or chastening or affliction for the express purpose of being able to host His presence and His holiness so that when we, having submitted to whatever humiliation, whatever chastening that we have to experience, whatever affliction comes our way, we have to be like a bush, a shrub in the desert. We have to be willing to submit to those conditions so that when His presence and His holiness choose to manifest in us, we are available and ready to do so, a vessel open to Him, so that when He decides to use us to speak through, the power of His voice and the majesty of His words come forth and people are changed. We're not in this business for religiosity. We don't come to church because we like being religious. In fact, if that's all there is to this, I'm checking out tomorrow. Because let's be honest, I am here for the express purpose of waiting on God until He takes this bush, this dried, vulnerable bush that you're looking at this morning, putting through chastening and humiliation and affliction, and for Him to show up in my life in His holiness for the purpose of speaking through so that people are drawn up the mountain of God into His presence. If there isn't that, Mary, Jimmy, if there isn't that, Bishop, I'm turning my card in. I'm doing it. I'm turning my card in. That man right there, he's my boss. And I'm just going to turn it in because if this is, if all we've got is church, if all we've got is religion, I'm not there. I need the power of God. The body of Christ has a commission and they need the power of God. But we first have to submit to the chastening and the affliction that goes along with being a vessel that God infuses with the fire of His presence. The picture that's presented by the imagery of God's voice emanating from this burning bush on the slopes of Mount Horeb is that the majestic, overpowering voice of the holy presence of Almighty God is emanating from something. Listen, His power is emanating from something as fragile and as insignificant as a desert shrub burning like a beacon on the side 
of his mountain, rooted in that mountain, fixed and unmoved and unmovable, and yet isn't consumed by the power and the presence of the fire of God. This paints an amazing picture of what God wanted to do to Moses. Wanted to do through Moses. He said, look, I'm going to get his attention by lighting this shrub up that won't burn. When in reality it only should have been a flame for mere moments before it was gone. And yet there it was, herding sheep down in the valley. Say, what? Looking up and there it is on fire. I have got to see this because I've been here for like, I don't know, five minutes and it's still there. Climbs up, has this conversation. And when the power's gone, the flyer diffuses and there sits the vessel untouched. This isn't unique. Just ask Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's not unique. It's what he wanted to show Moses. This is you. And I want to infuse my power in you to be a light on fire to draw my people out of bondage. What is the commission if it's not for you and I to be lit on fire with the power and the presence of God with His overwhelming majesty and His voice calling people out of bondage? What is this if it's not that? And because it was what He wanted to do through Moses... Ladies and gentlemen, look at me. It's what He wants to do with us. We so often dry, so often afflicted, so often so fragile. Yet vessels of the Almighty God. what He wants to do with us. See, Moses was like that shrub, dry and alone in a solitary place. Have little more purpose in his life than herding sheep for somebody else. When God says, I can use that. He was saying to Moses, this is what I want to do in your life. I want to inhabit your life. I want to make you my vessel. In the same way I have immersed this bush in my glory so as to enable it to do my will. What was its will? It was a beacon. What was God's will for that little bush up on that mountainside? It was a beacon. It was a lighthouse. It was a vessel with which the voice of God could flow through. That was the will of God for that bush in that moment. He said, so will I immerse you. The picture of that burning bush is where God manifesting His presence and holiness in us draws people out from their dry, deserted existence and up to the mountain of God 
where they can take root and be a beacon of His overpowering majesty as He then turns around and burns in their lives. A bush's tail. I'm going to close in literally a matter of moments. Here's the thing we've got to wrap our heads around. The bush's existence was completely at the Lord's disposal. We too serve at His pleasure, in His timing, and in whatever capacity He decides. We don't get to choose. We, in the 21st century, are a population of Christian uh, um, specialists. We are highly specialized in our Christianity. There was a skit, a drama, I don't remember what the, what the, the, the category was called, in Gatlinburg uh, last week, where, um, or week before last, where a, a young girl comes out, and man, she's sincere. Holy cow. She comes out and she begins to beg and plead with God. God, just use me. God, do something through me. I want to be used by you. I want to do something for you and your name and your kingdom. And unbeknownst to her, satelliting all around her is Jesus. He's all back there and he's listening to her prayer and acknowledging it. And right about the time she's done praying her prayer, he looks off stage and he goes, and in walks somebody that she knows. Hey, so-and-so, we're having a youth rally this coming whatever night. And we would love for you to come along. To which she responds, a youth rally? You know I get car sick. And on and on. All the excuses in the world referencing this youth rally. She says, so no, I don't think so. To which the person says, okay, well, we thought we'd invite you. Walks off. And Jesus is in the background going, hello? She goes right back to praying. God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to do something. God, I love you so much and so on and so forth. And Jesus is going. Someone comes out. We would love for you to sing on the praise team. Can you come and blah, blah, blah. The praise team, you know I have a sore throat, don't you? I can't. I'm just, God, I'm just feeling it getting worse all the time. And she's like, and she said, so no, I don't think so. To which the person says, well, we thought we didn't ask. And Jesus is like. She goes back to praying. Something else. Someone else refuses them. Goes back to praying. Someone else asking a She refuses them. To the point where, at the end of the skit, she's saying, you know I'm just a willing vessel. And Jesus goes, and he walks off stage. We don't get to choose The bush didn't get to choose. It didn't get to choose where it was planted. It didn't get to choose what country it was in. It didn't get to choose what region of that country it was in. It didn't get to choose the south, north, east, or west side of the Mount of God. It didn't choose the elevation. It didn't choose the earth which it was planted. It didn't get to choose anything. And it certainly didn't get to choose when God decided to speak through it. We don't either. The bush grew where it was planted. 
We're our, we are a group of highly mobile believers in Jesus Christ. The bush grew where it was planted. God plants people where they go on purpose. If you believe anything about the Scriptures, the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. And if you land in a church, ladies and gentlemen, unless something is genuinely going wrong with the church you're in, hear me, morally, legally, ethically, spiritually, if there is not something going wrong in your church, grow where you're planted. This bush grew where it was planted, doing what it was designed to do, lived life, being the best desert shrub it could be. Man, if you're nothing but a desert shrub, and let me tell you something, you're nothing but a desert shrub. Be the best doggone desert shrub you anyone has ever seen. Because when you do that, submitting to the chastening and the, 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 uh, the uh, other things that I mentioned earlier about we have to submit to, when you do that, Someday is coming along when God is going to choose to light a fire in you. But here's the thing. That fire is on tap. That fire is on tap. We already talked about it in Acts chapter 2. He's already commissioned us and He has a fire on tap. We've been lit on fire and Acts 2 documents it. Brothers and sisters, God painted a vivid picture in Exodus chapter 3, on the side of Mount Sinai. And guys, it's a picture for us to look at and say, that's me. Stand with me this morning.